welcome Scott White back after his day off from the podcast yesterday. It's Thursday, March 29th. Adam Azer, Scott White, and Al Melchior here with Nando sitting this one out. Scott, you're the two-time reigning, uh, reigning champ, and you're going to get to talk about the Podcast League and your team. You didn't get the chance to do that yesterday. I am very happy with the way this team went. Surprisingly to me, I did get most of the sleepers I wanted. I got Lucas Duda in the round 11 when a guy who was picking after me told me he was going to take him now if I, I didn't. He told uh, you that before you took him? Yeah, before I took him. You didn't, oh. you didn't see that in no, the chat? No, I didn't see no, I didn't that. He either. totally tipped me off. Oh, well, come on, man. You can't oh, do was that. He well, I, I wasn't <laughs> sure if he was serious. You know, I thought he was just trying to, to get me to take him early, but then I asked, asked him after I went ahead and took Duda in round 11. He said, yeah, he would have. So yeah. thanks That's, to him. Yeah. Uh, I got Lomo. Um, we'll go over your team a little yeah. bit later because, yeah, you did get your guys, and, and we have to talk about what you did with pick number nine, which was completely contrary to what you said you were going to do the morning <laughs> before we, uh, the morning of the draft, so just several hours beforehand. But there is a lot to talk about. We got some updates in the bullpen for the Nationals and the Reds. News from around baseball. B.J. Upton is going to be on the DL. Some uh, information about the Yankees rotation. Uh, we want you to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball, at CBS Scott White, on Twitter, at CBS Al, or at Al Melk, CBS, Al M-E-L-C, CBS, at Nando, CBS, N-A-N-D-O, CBS, and at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R, at CBS Fantasy BB. You've been sending us your emails with podcast suggestions, fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com. Really, we appreciate it. We've gotten some good feedback we got to do some more minor league stuff. A lot of our diehard listeners, they need more uh, minor leaguer info, so we'll do that. And just so you all know, we're going to definitely address start-sit on Fridays this year and a little bit on Mondays as well because it does appear, based on the feedback we've gotten, that people will hear Monday shows before the lineups are, are set, uh, at least when there's no day games. So we'll do some start-sit stuff on Friday and on Monday and uh, that we got really a lot of great programming for you this year. So we're looking forward to it five days a week. And now let's get into today's shows. What's Do you up, realize Scott? you just dropped a y'all in there? Did I? Yeah. Been around you too long. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> even say y'all. That's the thing. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, not, I'm not big into that, but look wow. at you. I don't know. And y'all's not even like a baseball term, you know? It's no, it's like a college not. football term. It, I guess. I think it's just a Southern term. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> College football being a Southern sport, I could see the correlation there. How about the SEC? Well, well I'd be fixing to talk about some baseball Let's news do now. it. Let's do it. Nationals closer Drew Storen. He will start the season on the disabled list. You were the one who drafted him, right, Al? Storen, yes, that was me. All right, so how are you feeling now? Uh, you, this is in the podcast league I'm referencing, but go ahead. Yeah, um, no, it doesn't bother me because I knew that that was a risk with Storen. I still don't see any indication that this is going to be a really serious thing that keeps Storen out uh, for a long time. And, you know, I got him so late that yeah. uh, it seemed like a worthwhile risk. So I still feel fine about that pick. And who are we taking now to start the season in those deep leagues where you need saves? Probably Brad Lidge. Yeah. But I agree it's, it's not going to be... It's not even going to be a full 15 days. Storm played catch yesterday and said, it's gone, referring to the pain. So uh, this is just uh, playing it safe at the beginning of the season move, and he's going to be fine. But but that said, yeah, Lidge is the guy for you know week one or maybe part of week two um, because the Nationals have been clear that they want to keep Tyler Clippard in that eighth inning role, so it won't be Clippard. And the Reds' bullpen. 
So they're beat up. Nick Massett's on the DL. Bill Bray is banged up. Obviously, Madsen's out for the year. And we hate those three words, closer by committee. But, Scott, it looks like that's what we're going to be seeing. Yeah, that's what it looks like with Marshall, uh, Sean Marshall, still at the front of that committee. The the reason they're talking about a closer by committee approach is because Dusty Baker said he's been told he not to use Marshall three days in a row, that it, it tends not to go well with him. And obviously, at times, managers need to use their closers three days in a row, four days in a row. Uh, so he's just not sure he's he's ready for that aspect of closing. Uh, if it turns out he is, I, I still think it's going to end up being Marshall. Uh, but at the start of the season, uh, I can't say for sure he's going to be the guy getting the majority of the saves when all's said and done. Who is the second best option in the bullpen right now? If you're going to take well, a, a red and it's not Marshall. I, I, I'd take the Nando approach and go uh, Aroldis Chapman, even though he's not officially in the bullpen yet. Um, he has the best stuff for the role, and uh, Nick Massett's on the DL to begin the season. Uh, Bill Bray's also hurt, so uh, doesn't it? It seems like uh, th- there's really I I don't know. That's actually a good question. Who would be part of the committee at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I would assume it's a committee of two, uh, Marshall <laughs> and Chapman. And you know, given Scott what you were saying about the reasons behind the committee approach, I don't know that they would need a third guy. They just need somebody who's going to be reasonably fresh to uh, pitch the ninth inning if, if Marshall's not. So, uh, yeah, I don't think you need to reach any any deeper than uh, than Chapman. Yesterday we talked about a New York Daily News report that had Phil Hughes as very likely for the Yankees rotation. Today, this morning, reading the New York Post saying that Freddie Garcia will likely have a rotation spot for the Yankees, and he has had an excellent spring. So we are now down to one spot for Ivan Nova, and Michael Pineda. <laughs> I can't believe it. Well, it's not certain. Uh, in fact, I did read the Daily News today, and there was no mention of Garcia being a lock. But the Post says it looks that way. Um, this is <laughs> a little weird, though. Yeah, I can't believe it. I, and, and I, yeah, and I actually don't completely believe it because this is a little bit reminiscent of, what, a week, week and a half ago when there were reports saying that Daniel Bard was all but certain to be heading back to the bullpen, and then that got reversed within about two days. So... You know, there was something about that report, too, that just didn't sit right. So uh, I would wait until we have something a little firmer. Uh, Yeah, unless there's a quote from the manager or somebody from the front office, a a named source saying this is what's going to happen, then you always have to be a a little bit skeptical of these hunchy-type reports. And and even if Garcia does make the rotation— you're probably not going to be too excited about him, right, in, in a mixed league? Oh, definitely not, no. I mean, not to say he wouldn't have his usefulness uh, in certain maybe two-start weeks, but generally, no, I'm not, not, would not be as excited about him as either Nova or Pineda. And if Pineda goes down, I mean, how long is he going to be down? Well, but they got, that, they got that Pettit guy waiting in the wings, too. <laughs> I, I just I just don't believe it. They this gave, is why I did not draft Michael Pineda. Montero to get him. It, it just doesn't. This because they needed thing, rotation though. help. They needed immediate rotation. Then they help. signed Corota, and now they got Pettit. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. Well, 44-year-old Omar Vizquel is sticking around. He made the Blue Jays roster. Completely fantasy irrelevant. But... Um, <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. And I saw him when I saw him barehand a fairly hard hit ground ball to short one time. I was like, "That, I'm glad I got to see it in person. Maybe the greatest fielding shortstop I'll ever see in person." So. And he is still five years younger than Jamie Moyer. 
Yes, he's and he not, will always be. He's not catching up. <laughs> Scott, your podcast league team. Let's get to it now. I liked my team. I think it's got a lot of upside, a lot of downside, too. I loved Al's team. I didn't love Nando's team, and uh, he liked his team. Um, I liked his team about as much as I liked mine. We're, we're clearly, me and Nando and I are clearly behind the two of you, in my opinion. But, Scott, you, you have a solid squad. Buster Posey, Mark Teixeira, Dustin Pedroia, who was your first overall pick at ninth overall, Brett Laurie, D. Gordon, Lucas Duda, Desmond Jennings, Shane Victorino, and Logan Morrison is your utility player with Aramis Ramirez and J.J. Hardy on your bench. Josh Beckett, Derek Holland, Brian Mattis, Adam Wainwright, C.J. Wilson, Brandon League, and I guess you and I aren't gentlemen because we went with a reliever. Or we went with a starting yeah. pitcher as our, as our second reliever. Yeah, I don't know where Moore. Nando's pulling this ungentlemanly <laughs> un- style. He, he called me out on it yesterday, and I, I put him down. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Tim Hudson, Jeff Neiman, and Bud Norris on your bench. What do you like and what do you dislike about your team? I like uh, I like my hitting mostly um, because, like I said, I, I got the players I I uh, absolutely had to have, and and I feel like more than that, um, I got Aramis Ramirez. I actually drafted him as my utility player, swapped him out for this first week uh, since Lomo's playing four games. But uh, I, I got him as the utility guy, and although I'm a little worried about the injury risk there. He was a, a high scorer in head-to-head formats last year, and, and I think getting him as late as I did, it's, it's worthwhile. Um, I, I feel better. I feel much better about this team than I did about last year's team going into the season because— The scary thought, because yeah, you won it last year. I, I know. <laughs> um, because last year, I Latos, um, Clay Buckholtz, Brett Myers were my top three starters, and all of them had— big risk coming into the season and obviously ended up on the scarier end of those risks as the season unfolded. The three, the top three I got this year are CJ Wilson, Adam Wainwright and Josh Beckett, who, um, to be honest, I mean, they're, they're not, when, when I talk about targeting three guys from that third tier, I was usually talking about the Bumgarners and the Ricky Romero's. I feel safer about those guys than I do Wainwright and Beckett. Uh, but, I would still consider that a better two and three than Buckholz and Myers were coming into the season. And then obviously I trust Wilson as an ace, as I've said many times before, particularly with his move out of Texas. And you already got a save with Brandon League. I do. Yeah. What don't you like about your team? Uh, I don't like... Oh, oh, you know what? Matt Moore I can actually throw in there with those starters, even though I'm starting him at reliever. So it, it's kind of more like a top four. Um. What I don't like is because because I was able to get uh, so many of my sleepers hit, sleeper hitters, uh, Lomo and Duda, and because I got Aramas so late, that left fewer bench spots for starting pitchers. So there's not going to be as many two-start options as I'd like to have at the beginning of the season. Um, I think I did. I draft Tim Hudson in this yeah, league. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll free up a spot there when I'm able to put him on the DL. Um, I might actually go with a closer there so I can free up m- more to use him in, in starting rotation when I need to. Uh, but uh, but eventually, I think, um, you know, anticipating injuries or whatever else, uh, I think I'll have some spots to play with eventually. All right, so here you are with the ninth pick, and earlier in the, that day you said you'd take Votto seventh because yeah. we knew what the top six was. And you're sitting there, and Votto's still on the board. Because, let's see, Cano 
went seventh, right? Oh, there I were had, two right clear here. contradictions I'm uh, in this draft of things that I said earlier that day. And okay. Th- this was one of them. Well, yeah. Ellsbury went seventh and Cano went eighth. So you're sitting there with a the chance to take Joey Votto. Ninth. You, you took, yeah, a number, you took a minute and 28 seconds of your a minute and 30 allowed, and you took Dustin Bedroya. I did. And here was the thought process. At, at this point, Adrian Gonzalez and Prince Fielder were both still on the board. Robinson Cano was gone. I was worried that if I didn't take Pedroia, Kinsler would be gone at that second pick. And potentially one of those two first basemen, Gonzalez and Fielder, would be left. And, and then what would I do? I didn't want two first basemen with my first two picks. So I went ahead and took Pedroia, hoping that Prince Fielder would come to me with that second pick. He ended up going to uh, the guy right before me. So I had to settle with Mark to share with my second pick, and then it turns out Kinsler went a couple picks later. So I could have, I could have, I could have uh, gone Votto Kinsler there, which I, I would have preferred to do over um, Pedroia Teixeira. But I think uh, in, in the heat of the moment, considering it almost worked out with Fielder there, I, I think it was probably the the right way to go. Let's talk about a draft strategy. You said you didn't want to take two first basemen. People look at that utility spot, and they tend to save it for last. Is there any value in taking the best player available at some point and just saying, okay, well, you know what, I already have this position filled, but I'll just put him as my utility. I mean, if he had gone with two first basemen, Al, um, do you ever take that approach? It's almost like a flex in football. And let's say you're playing two running backs, two wide receivers, and a flex. I have no problem going with three running backs. And, and just filling up my flex before I even get to my wide receivers. So utility, I don't know why we always think of it like, well, we should probably fill out the other positions before we get to utility. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. I've never tested it out. I mean, uh, we had a draft here yesterday for our uh, uh, show that we're, we're doing that I'm sure we'll be talking more about in the, in the near future. But um, I wound up uh, at a position, I don't remember what round it was, but for me early to fill a utility spot because David Ortiz was still on the board. Uh, and See then, that seemed late for Ortiz. Yeah, and that was uh, yeah. Go ahead and finish your point. Yeah, but. no, late for Ortiz, but early for me, and I, that was part of I think what catalyzed me to target the utility spot earlier than I normally would because I thought that was really good value for Ortiz. Uh, I missed him by one uh, pick and wound up taking Billy Butler instead. So, but you know, the point is just that for me that was an early move, and, and unfortunately I don't remember exactly what round that is. But I think it's just there's so much of a risk, and if you kind of go through Scott's process of what he's doing with his first two picks. If you're going to dedicate your second or even your third round pick, you're giving up on getting quality at a talent scarce position. Yeah. You may wind up without uh, or anything close to a number one outfielder. You may wind up with a really crummy second baseman. So, you know, it's, that's the, that's the biggest reason not to do it. But then an, Another thing I found whenever I do do it, and this just happened in a draft we did yesterday, I had Joey Votto already at first base, drafted Hosmer in the fifth or sixth round to be my utility guy. Then Paul Canerco ends up falling, David Ortiz ends up falling, Billy Butler ends up falling, and there's nothing I can do. I I can't take them from my bench that early. I wouldn't want to do that. I just have to let them fall um, when, obviously, if I hadn't clogged that position so early, it wouldn't have been an issue. It seems to happen that way every time I, I go and fill my utility spot early. Well, okay, fine. But let me – I guess we could play the hypothetical game. Let's say you took Votto in the first round, Kinsler in the second round, and Logan Morrison was your DH – or was your utility. 
Or let's say you took Votto in the first round, Fielder in the second round, and now you have a second baseman as your utility, and let's say it is Ryan Roberts. That sounds crummy to me. So yeah, I would want to do I'd that. rather do what Scott actually did than okay. wind up with that. And that's I think that's a, the inherent logic behind putting the utility off. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we clear, uh, cleared that up. Let's get to some more news from around baseball. B.J. Upton's going to start the year on the DL. Got into a collision with Desmond Jennings. Hasn't really recovered. Are we concerned about this? And what do we need to know about the Rays outfield, Al? Uh, well, I have a really good test of how concerned I am about this because in that draft we had yesterday, I went ahead and took Upton as my number three outfielder. So, um, you know, I thought, again, it's, it's a question of where you take him, and uh, I thought it was a worthy risk. But, uh, yeah. I, I think it's scary for a player like him who has so many every year question marks about his performance. Is this the year he's finally going to get his batting average up to a respectable level? If he's dealing with a back issue like this, and, you know, we saw what a back issue did for Adam Lind in the second half last year, I'd be a little more concerned, not so much because I think he's going to miss an extended period of time, but because of the effect it might have on his performance. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And the context in which I took Upton as my third rounder was not only that I thought it was good. Third val- outfielder. Or third, third outfielder. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely not your third <laughs> not, rounder. No. It was that um, I drafted a lot for batting average up to that point. And so it was late enough in the draft not only to get value on Upton, even if he misses some time, which of course now he will, but um, but that I had drafted so many players that have consistently good to very good batting averages that I felt like it was a safe pick. Any Rays outfielders or position players that uh, benefit from this? Sean Rodriguez maybe, if Zobrist plays the outfield or Elliot like Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, uh, nobody yeah, really worthwhile. Sam okay. Fold, maybe, um, but yeah, no, no, nobody really a big impact. Nelson Cruz was hit by a pitch. Talk about guys who <laughs> get injured a lot. He left Wednesday's game, so it's like, okay, start rolling <laughs> your eyes. Keep an eye on it on fantasynews.cbssports.com. He, he didn't get hit in the thigh, though. Get hit in that's, the wrist, right? That's yeah. That's but, not good, though. No, it's not good. But <laughs> it, at least he's avoiding the thigh injuries for now. Michael Morris cleared for baseball activity. Still likely to miss opening day. Any concerns about Johan Santana's velocity, which was down in his last start? He's, you know, throwing upper 80s. Yeah. Could be probably going to be the opening day starter and uh, going pretty, went pretty late in our podcast league, but are you concerned about the velocity? I'm concerned enough that I've let other people take him as their late round sleeper. That's not to say I wouldn't take him if he, he fell to a point, but there, there's somebody in every draft who seems to be so excited about his comeback that <laughs> they go for him a couple rounds earlier than I will. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, a, a sh- serious shoulder injury he's coming back from. His his velocity, the last time we saw him, it was down. Um, I think, and, and, and they're worried about his endurance, too, him being able to pitch deep into games to start out the season. There, he's had some control issues this spring. To me, there, there, it just seems like a lot, of, uh, a lot of concerns, enough concerns going in there that I would rather bank on a Brian Mattis type having a breakout season than a Johan Santana being more than just a serviceable mixed league type. Moving on, Curtis Granderson's MRI on his elbow came back negative. Indians closer Chris Perez will make his spring training debut today on Thursday. Looks like he'll be ready for opening day. Rockies catcher Willene Rosario has a good chance to make the club out. Is this important for keeper leagues? Um, it's not really noteworthy just because I think that this was um, 
pretty much an expected move. And there'll be sort of an apprenticeship there with Ramon Hernandez. So Rosario is, I mean, it's important in that. I think Rosario could be a valuable guy, particularly in deeper mixed leagues and NL only, um, maybe in the second half. Mike Carp on the DL as the Mariners are underway. They are 1-1. One and one. And can this get Kyle Seeger in the lineup? And if so, does that excite you at all? Mike Carp has a sprained shoulder, and Seeger did play today at third base with uh, Sean Figgins going to the outfield. Yeah, they they bumped um, they bumped uh, Sean Figgins to the yeah exactly. You yeah. just said it. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Seager had a great spring and uh, obviously a good minor league track record as a as a contact hitter. Um, so I think in in AL only leagues it's it's an exciting thought. However, uh, it doesn't seem like Carp's going to miss a significant period of time with this injury. So uh, you shouldn't get too attached to Seager. I, I think still the more likely scenario, uh, the the better scenario for him long-term would be just Sean Figgins stinking it up again, which is highly likely. <laughs> sure, absolutely. And sad to say that uh, my bid with Scott now to purchase the Dodgers fell a little bit short as Magic Johnson came in with uh, a couple other guys and, and bought the team for $2 billion. You know, if Nando had just chipped in, yeah, I, I, know. I think we'd be there. He's such a cheapskate, that guy. Um, the, the Dodgers get sold for $2 billion. And I think people are going to say that was probably a little bit too much. <laughs> but I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this. It's not a big fantasy story. But I was shocked. You know, my only reaction to this is just, you know, maybe it seems very, very expensive, but uh, maybe this is a, a very good thing for uh, the Dodger organization. It's just really has been a shame to see what's happened to it over the last couple yeah. of years. So hopefully this is a, a really big turning point. I hope so. But if people are excited about Magic Johnson and he says he's going to knock on people's doors at 1201 for free agency and he's going to try to recruit them, uh, Magic Johnson, he, you know, Great, but Michael Jordan owns the Bobcats, and they're horrible. <laughs> so it really, I don't think any free agent is going to care about playing for Magic Johnson's team. That's my personal But, opinion. you know, at least the financial situation hopefully will be stabilized. That's great. And, yeah, and yeah. That alone could make a very big difference. That's great. But the whole, uh, the Magic Johnson thing is a little overrated. Well, I mean, you, the fans are going to like it. The players love it. Well, you know who else but is how part, long of, is that gonna last? part of that ownership group is, is Stan Caston. Right, who, and he... Yes. Brought in John Sherholtz to be the Braves GM in 1991 and kicked off that whole run for them. So that's he's exciting. a baseball guy, a smart baseball guy. That's what's very important in this. A's over the Mariners 4-1, and Bartolo Colon making out look good. He's owning 21% of leagues. He had a very nice outing. Off the top of my head, I think eight innings, six strikeouts, one run. That sounds exactly right, but... I'll go to the box score here. And Jason Vargas pitched well. Not as well, but he pitched well also. Good uh, call on Cologne. And yeah, only three hits over those eight innings. Yeah, These so teams are terrible, though. These <laughs> lineups. <laughs> it's true, uh, but... Enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy it now. Bartolo Cologne has already exceeded my expectations. <laughs> and I know it's just one game, but I didn't see him going eight innings at any point this season. How so. many pitches did he throw? Uh, I got to scroll down just a little up. There it is. Uh, 86, very economical. Wow. Yeah. And that's kind of what he was doing with the Yankees when yes. he was healthy. He was throwing a lot of strikes. So. Wow. I'm telling yeah, you. That's, I, I, still don't, I still doubt he's going to hold up over a full season. He's turning 39 this year. But <laughs> it, it looks like he's worth picking up kind of like last year for uh, right it while it's, while it's hot. Okay. Wait. So uh, didn't we get a, a, twi- uh, a Twitter question, Al, on – 
on Tuesday, Cologne or Vargas? And I said Vargas, and you said Cologne. That's correct. Yep. Okay. Uh, you want to settle the tie here, Scott? Oh, I'd go Cologne. He's okay. he's gonna. I'll go uh, for the strikeout guy. Ex post facto, winner. though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, but mixed leagues, Cologne. But they're both available in a lot of leagues. So anyway, and they're both gonna face. These horrible lineups several times this year. <laughs> A's outfielder, Yoannis Cespedes, homered. And Josh Reddick homered and doubled. And he's owned in 18% of leagues. Grant Balfour got the save. Who are you more excited about, Cespedes or Reddick, Al? Uh, Cespedes, just because I think that you, you know we don't know what we're getting uh, from him as compared to Reddick. And... Uh, you know, so it's great to see that uh, you know he can do this right off the bat. Um, you know, obviously, we need to see a lot more from Cespedes, but um, you know, Reddick, I, I just, you know, I, I think he's going to hit for power, and I think the the batting average is a little bit of a question for him. But uh, you know, we yeah. we have hopes for Cespedes. Maybe he, you know, hit twenty twenty five home runs. Uh, I think that's exactly what Nando said yesterday too. I think it was nice to see Reddick start against the lefty, though Vargas, even coming off the hot spring, Colin Cowgill had. They they weren't quick to insert him over Reddick against the lefty, and that that encourages me that uh, Reddick is is certainly going to be an AL only guy during the season. And but, yeah. I'm sorry, but yeah, just one more thing too. Um, Josh Donaldson getting in the lineup, and uh, I know I had sort of a little bit of a minor panic when I saw in the first game that they started uh, Eric Sogard at third base, but Bob Melvin actually came out and said we just like this particular matchup. Donaldson is our regular guy at third base. Five shortstops we have not talked about lately. We continue with our uh, five mid to late round guys at different positions each day. Today's shortstop, we'll talk about J.J. Hardy for Baltimore, Toronto's Uno Escobar, Marco Scudero in Colorado, Stephen Drew in Arizona, and Kansas City's Alcides Escobar. A couple Escobars here. But let's start with J.J. Hardy, who is a bench player on Scott's podcast league team. Yeah, kind of insurance for D. Gordon since I went with the late shortstop there. Uh, he's been dealing, Hardy's been dealing with a bit of a shoulder injury recently and, and came back uh, in a game but had to get a cortisone shot in the shoulder yesterday, which is always kind of scary. Uh, only one home run this spring. I, I don't know that that necessarily means anything. Something I read about him earlier was that uh, as soon as he joined the Orioles last season, uh, hitting coach saw him in batting practice spraying balls all over the field and came over to him and said hey what's going on I want you to hit homers and then last year he started hitting homers again so um, I, I'm beginning to trust that if he can overcome the shoulder injury he, he's going to be a power guy 30 homers again probably not but I'd be happy if, if I waited till late to draft a shortstop I'd be happy as happy with Hardy as, as anyone else really how about you know Escobar, Al? Well, it's funny because he's my backup backup option to my late shortstop Derek Jeter in the podcast league, and uh, you know I particularly eyed uh, Escobar because, as I've mentioned before, really much higher value in head-to-head leagues with with the walks that he draws. Um, he may get a few more RBI opportunities this year too, because uh, John Farrell is thinking about maybe using him in the number two hole uh, in hit and run situations. So that might be a little minor upgrade for uh, for Escobar. But uh, do you yeah. like him better or worse than Hardy? I like him better, and, yeah. and especially in head to head. Scott Hardy, I'll or I'll take you know? Hardy over both of uh, in both formats, but Escobar's a, a fine late round shortstop. Also, Marco Scudero, Marco Scudero going. Uh, about uh, about around two uh, hundredth overall. Another fine late round shortstop. Yeah. Maybe a little later than than both of those guys, I'd say. 
Uh, hasn't had a great spring and uh, has has had to tinker with the swing a bit. But we're still talking about a guy who hit three sixteen over the final five months last year and is going to be batting ahead of a Cargo and Tulo, whether it's first or second, on-base guy. Going to score a ton of runs. I think he's going to be a mixed-league viable guy all season. Steven Drew, Al. One undrafted in our podcast league, uh, and there was probably a lot of that to go around uh, in, in drafts and auctions, uh, you know, outside of NL only ones. So, you know, obviously the the first and foremost thing is, you know, when is he going to play again? And uh, there's there's no particular timetable for Drew. So uh, <laughs> it's it's funny because um, Kirk Gibson, when he was last asked about when Drew is coming back, said, "Don't keep asking me when he's ready. You'll know." Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, I don't like good. that answer. <laughs> that's never good. Uh, so he's worthless right now. And Alcides Escobar is he worthless too? I think there's upside there. Um, I still think the batting average can be better than what it's been, which is not setting a very high bar. Uh, but in his first exposure to the majors, a partial season, and, and in the minors, uh, Alcides Escobar uh, has certainly been a better hitter for average. And, you know, he'll hopefully be somebody who doesn't just give you empty steals uh, this season. But it's a big, it's a big question mark. Tomorrow we'll talk about spring training winners and losers. Today we will continue reviewing the Roto Draft and look at some mid-round picks now, rounds 11 through 15. Go through the draft round by round here and best pick and worst pick of each round. And let's start with round 11. Ubaldo Jimenez went first overall, uh, followed by Ryan Roberts, J.P. Aaron Sibia, Irvin Santana, Heath Bell, Drew Stubbs, Jonathan Papelbon, Drew Storen, Tommy Hansen, Brian Wilson, Coco Crisp, and Ryan Madsen. Obviously, very important to note, this was done several weeks ago before the news on Madsen, before the news on Storen. Uh, and this apparently is where the closer run begins. So, again, it's Baldo Jimenez, Ryan Roberts, Aaron Sibia, Irvin Santana, Heath Bell, Stubbs, Papelbon, Storen, Tommy Hansen, Brian Wilson, Coco Crisp, and Ryan Madsen. It was really just two weeks ago, which shows you how much can change yeah, wow. very quickly. <laughs> uh, best uh, and worst pick, Scott. Best, best picks first. Best pick... Um, this oh, I was gonna say Drew Stubbs, but then I saw that was my guy. So to steer away from my guy, <laughs> I'm gonna say Irvin Stan- Santana stands out as as better than uh, most of the names I'm seeing here. Obviously, that's not a bad point to go for a closer like the guys uh, went after Papelbon and and Storen. Uh, but I I know there's still gonna be a good number of closers a couple rounds later, so I'd rather lock up that. Uh, that trustworthy starter that Santana is. Al, best pick? I, I'm, I'm not going to be modest. I, I think Tommy Hansen, uh, who is my guy, uh, I think that's really good value in the 11th round. But it's interesting because you talk yeah. about difference in perspective. I, he was still coming off the concussion at that point, so it's understandable why he fell. But it, this just sort of goes to show how sometimes people can have maybe overreactions to things that happen in the spring because I don't think now people would be drafting Hanson quite so late. Yeah, I agree with you. Hanson's better than Santana. I just overlooked him. Yeah, it's all right. Al's the best. <laughs> yeah. Al, who's the worst? And the, the worst, <laughs> and um, I think, Scott, you'd, you'd agree or at least close to agree, Aaron Sibia, I think that was a pretty big reach uh, in round 11 for him. Yeah, this was the draft where everybody decided they oh, wanted two, crazy. two good catchers. Yeah. And so and guess yeah, what? I can't really go against that, but... Um, I'll 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 throw um 
I'll throw Coco Crisp in there as a guy who seems to be who seemed to go way too early. Uh, not going to give you anything more than steals and obviously an injury risk. I'd rather take Angel Pagan much later. And guess what? If everybody in a 12-team league wants two good catchers, a few people are going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, <that's> exactly. <laughs> to say the least. Round 12, Joe Hanrahan, J.J. Putz, Jeff Francoeur, Mariano Rivera, Alexi Ramirez, Andrew Bailey, D. Gordon, Gio Gonzalez, Jose Valverde, Eric Ibar, Anibal Sanchez, and Trevor Cahill. Hanrahan puts Francoeur, Rivera, Alexi Ramirez, Andrew Bailey, D. Gordon, Gio Gonzalez, Valverde, Ibar, Anibal Sanchez, and Cahill. Scott, best pick of round 12. I am going to say, I seem to keep going with starting pitchers a lot here, Uh, but Gio Gonzalez, or no, well, yeah, Gio Gonzalez over Anibal Sanchez. Um, Yeah, I'll go with him because he's, he's such a good source of strikeouts. And uh, I expect his, if anything, his ERA and WHIP to go down now that he's pitching in the National League. Um, so to get a, a number three with maybe number two potential in, in the twelfth round, I think is pretty good. Al, okay, best pick. Um, yeah, I probably would go pitcher here, and uh, the other two that Scott mentioned. I think I, uh, yeah, I probably would give Gio a little bit of an edge over Anibal. Um, yeah, nobody else really stands out. And is a really, really great value pick in that round. And your worst pick? Uh, I think it was maybe a bit of a stretch for both of the shortstops that went Gordon and uh, Alexi. Or the third one? Uh, Eric Ibar. Oh, and Ibar. Taking yeah. a shot at Scott White's D. Gordon selection. Yeah. Uh, well, but you know what? Of the three. Gordon's the one I'd be the least critical of. No, it's all right. You can. You no, can no. I'm honest, because I, I was actually going to say that anyway. Uh, but I think. Yeah, Ramirez and, and Ibar. I'd say Ibar especially. I didn't see Ibar at first, but that to me is probably the biggest reach. I I would say Ramirez is the reach there because uh, Gordon's going to give you an elite number of steals. Ibar's going to give you a yeah. good number of steals. Ramirez is just kind of meh across the board. And I, I would rather, if I'm going for a meh player anyway, I'll take Yunel Escobar much later. Uh, you know what? This is, this is a good chance to talk about D. Gordon because he's a player who's really, uh, you know, I, I wasn't down on him, but he's he's. I'm starting to get high on him based on the spring he's had, just uh, hitting the ball kind of like he did toward the end of last season. I think he's batting near 400, showing some extra base power and running like crazy. Uh, I think it, it's possible he's Juan Pierre in his prime already, except he plays shortstop. And obviously, that would be a very valuable player in fantasy. Oh, yeah. And he's on your podcast league team. So, good job. Round 13, Max Scherzer, Brandon Beachy, Melky Cabrera, Freddie Freeman, Ryan Howard, Joaquin Soria, Ryan Rayburn, Jordan Zimmerman, Corey Lubke, Neil Walker, J.J. Hardy, and Chris Carpenter. Scherzer, Beachy, Melky Cabrera, Freddie Freeman, Ryan Howard, Soria, Rayburn, Jordan Zimmerman, Lubke, Neil Walker, Hardy, Chris Carpenter. Al, again, best pick. yeah, best pick. I have to go starting pitcher here. And uh, partly that's, you know, there are a lot of pitchers to, to choose from. But, uh, you know, I like Beachy, and I'm sort of, sort of uh, revisiting here. Yeah. Zimmerman, Lupke, I think those are both great picks. I guess if I have to pick one, 
probably loop key. Oh, that's me. It is you. Yeah. And, and that's my favorite, too. But Zim- Zimmerman's really good, too, and just right before loop key. I- I'm actually starting to like loop key more than Beachy because I feel like he's a safer source of whip, maybe a safer source of strikeouts, and he, he I feel like he's, he's more likely to pitch deep into games than Beachy, uh, which might make it a wash and wins, even though loop key's pitching for the Padres. Yeah. My worst pick is Ryan Rayburn. Mine in too. round 13. Um, be, uh, that's a lot of hype coming off of his hot spring, obviously, but we've seen him go through hot streaks in the past, and the the final product just isn't that impressive. Um, if you're, as a late round middle end fielder, he's fine, but round 13 is way too early. Round 14, Wandy Rodriguez, Ike Davis, Sergio Santos, Kelly Johnson, Giovanni Soto, Jordan Walden, Wilson Ramos, Angel Pagan, Jaime Garcia, Vance Worley, Matt Joyce, Brandon Morrow. Wandy Rodriguez, Ike Davis, Sergio Santos, Kelly Johnson, Soto, Walden, Wilson Ramos, Pagan, Jaime Garcia, Worley, Matt Joyce, and Brandon Morrow. Al, best pick. All right. Um, I'm just trying to scan for the later rounds, not finding them, because I, I want to say uh, Ike Davis. Um you know, I just compared to the other offensive talent that's uh, around in these next few rounds. Um, you know, he really stands out. So, yeah, I would I would say Ike Davis. Um, yeah, I like the closers here, Santos and and Jordan Walden. I think uh, if, if you're like me and and choose to wait for your first closers, though those kind of guys are the the ones to go for. Um, so they they waited for the right time to take them okay and scott your worst pick of round 14 my worst pick uh i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with uh either i'm, I'm gonna go with kelly johnson i knew you actually were going to because <laughs> he could he could end up destroying you in batting average and it's oh, kind of al's pick yeah it's kind of the same argument i made for rayburn last round there there's an he, it, he, to me he strikes me as is one of several fallback middle infield options so I, I just personally don't see the need to reach for him. And you know what? I agree with him. <laughs> oh, wow, you screwed up, huh? <laughs> okay, Kelly Johnson in round 14 in Roto. Too early. Round 15, Daniel Murphy, Johnny Peralta, Joe Nathan, Danny Espinosa, Justin Masterson, Logan Morrison, Delman Young, Jose Tabata, Peter Borges, Carlos Beltran, Brennan Bosch, and Clay Buckholtz. Daniel Murphy, Peralta, Nathan, Espinosa, Masterson, Lomo, Delman Young, Tabata, Borges, Beltran, Bosch, Buckholtz. Wow, look at that alliteration. <laughs> Borges, Beltran, Bosch, and Buckholtz to end round 15. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. Best pick. Oh, man. I'm going to – I guess I'm going to – it's between Lomo and Masterson for me. Um, obviously, I, I'm – I'm taking Lomo in a lot of drafts, and I've taken much earlier than round 15 in some. I think he has a good chance of having a breakout season. Uh, but since that was my pick, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to uh, Sergio Gonzalez taking Justin Masterson there. Uh, I think uh, aside from strikeouts, which he has room to improve on, I think he's uh, potentially a number three guy in, in fantasy. And Al Melchior. I like one guy in this round better than Masterson, and it's one of the killer bees, Carlos Beltran. I had a feeling you were going to go there. Yeah, I think that's really good value for him if he comes anywhere close to what he did last season. And I, I think personally he like Buckholtz there a lot, too. But I think I like Buckholtz more than you guys do. Um, and worst picks, Al, you first. 
Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, yeah, nothing really too terrible. I'd say the one that stands out a little bit is Daniel Murphy is the first pick in that round, and I understand that he'd be used probably as the second baseman, but sort of the same logic with me uh, overreaching a bit for Kelly Johnson. I just think that uh, that pick could have been used to grab one of these uh, really good pitchers that went in this round, or you know, or Beltron to me would have been a far superior uh, pick uh, over Daniel Murphy. Yeah, there's there's really not many picks I mind here. I, I, I might pick Jose Tabata just because it seems like he falls further than this. But round 15, if you have a hunch about a guy and he's your guy, then I, I really can't fault you for going after him. Well, we will save the emails for tomorrow. I want to thank everyone for listening as always. We've got another show tomorrow and then five a week, one every day for the rest of the season, man. We have a lot of fantasy baseball to talk, and we're going to have a live show featuring Scott, Al, Nando, and George Sedano every Monday through Friday, 5 o'clock Eastern uh, p.m., obviously. So, well, I guess that's not so obvious. Maybe we'd be doing an early morning show, but it's 5 yeah. o'clock p.m. Eastern, live on the website and on the network as well. And by show, I want to clarify, this is visual. Oh, yeah, this is video. You get to see us, baby. This is on TV, and uh, these guys, they're sharp. Sharp-dressed guys over there. <laughs> they will be, at least, when the cameras are on. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you.